Every year around this time, many people all over the world stop and honor those that have fought for us. And it's also a time of year that many countries, well, give thanks. But I've been thinking about something. Have we been honoring and remembering and being grateful for the whole story? Are we remembering everyone? This is something I'd like to talk about today. So thanks for joining me and let's get started. Hi everyone, this is Tiz and welcome to Tiz Talks. So you know many parts of the world recently paid tribute to all of those who served in the war. Veterans Day in the States and Remembrance Day in Canada and the UK and in other parts of the world honoring and paying tribute. Now in my city where I live, I was really moved by the extraordinary amount of efforts they went to to prepare for this day. There were there was draping of, of like blankets of poppies all over our bridges and wrapped around the trunks of our trees in our city square where the war memorial is. Absolutely stunning. And, and it really is important because we can never forget how many lives were sacrificed in the name of peace and liberty. I have never understood the purpose of violent war to resolve anything And that innocent people are put to the front lines to fight for something that politicians and religious leaders seem to be the only answer. My heart really bleeds. And it is with everyone who not only served and fought in the war, but everyone who were affected or have been affected by war. My father served in the Italian army in World War II. His younger brother, a child, literally a child, was deemed missing in action and never returned home. He witnessed his best friend plunge to his death in a parachute that didn't open. My dad, like everyone else who fought in the war, witnessed horrific and gruesome acts. To say that my dad was permanently affected by the scars of the war is an understatement. I cannot even imagine or fathom the depths of the trauma all soldiers experience. The price of mental health and, and peace, that, that anguish is high. And it's not just those that served in the war, because the accurate statement is women and children were also sacrificed and did a lot during the war. Over 75 million people died in World War II. 75 million. And just to put that into perspective, today we have lost 5.1 million people to COVID-19. 20 million of that 75 million were military and over 40 million of civilians died. Women, children, the aging. These were people who did not serve the war directly but died as a result of it with mass bombings, deliberate genocide, massacres. And then there were the millions and millions of people who died of disease and starvation. And the one thing we never really talk about because it was so taboo is the millions of women who were raped during the war. 
wartime rapes were silenced. And only in recent years are we finally starting to talk about the atrocities that women endured during the war. It was estimated that upwards of 2 million women were raped during the German, Germany occupation alone. Can we remember everyone, please? And not to diminish those that served, but to include everyone who had a hand in defending not just their country, but their home, their children, themselves. When men went off to war, women went to work and they were put to the task to keep the economy going while attempting to raise children and look after aging parents and keep everyone as safe as possible. The role of women in World War II was significant. They did it in World War I and they did it again in World War II. Women went to work producing ammunition, building ships and airplanes, and they even became drivers of of fire trucks and trains and and all of this for half the pay that men received for the same work. My mom worked for a gun manufacturer in northern Italy as a teenager. She was also a volunteer nurse's aide. My mom met my dad when his regiment marched through my mom's small little village of Fantasina. Her story was how she helped to clean and wrap his injured hand. They fell in love and they also got pregnant. Now I can only imagine the wrath that my mom had to endure for being a young teenage girl pregnant in Italy during the war. Immediately my mom and dad married And there's a picture of my mom and dad on their wedding day, my dad in his uniform and my mom in just an ordinary dress. But my dad had to leave right after that as 250,000 Italian troops were sent to Russia to help the German invaders. And they suffered unspeakable hardship and conditions. Just the the winters of Russia killed over 85,000 Italian men. Italian troops were fighting a war far from their own land, not even on their own land, defending their own country and and fighting for causes which very few Italians even believed in. My father, disgusted with the war and the alliance, defected and snuck away, attempting to find his way home from Russia to Italy. Now, I can't even process that. He had heard that if you ate a cigar you would become very ill and get a high fever temporarily and that you wouldn't be able to fight a war when you're sick. So he did just that. And for some miraculous reason, he was able to find a sympathetic Russian soldier who allowed him to escape across Russian borders. My father was later captured by the Americans and sent to Kenya as a prisoner of war. But you know, That was only one side of the story during that time. Italian factories in northern Italy were huge targets where my mom and family lived, and there was heavy bombing. The attacks destroyed production, and food shortages were, well, endemic. My mom, now with a newborn baby boy, was breastfeeding my oldest brother, and she became a wet nurse for all other local newborns for moms who couldn't produce adequate milk because they were so malnourished. 
Women would bring their house robe for my mom to wear so their child could have the scent of their own mother while my mom breastfed them. My mom would recount how some days the only food might be a couple of potatoes and if lucky, maybe even a tomato to make it savory and how they would make a meal from that and split that amongst many people. And being in a targeted region, they never lit their lights or candles at night for fear that they would be found and either bombed or killed. And they learned to live in this total darkness. The only light at night were the flares that would go off in the middle of the night to alert the villages and that the enemies were near and that bombing was occurring. And all too often, in the middle of the night, my mom would grab my baby brother, her mom and father and brothers and sisters would literally run to the hills across from them where they would hide away while counterforces destroyed their homes. My sister and I went to Italy a few years ago And one of the oldest living members of my mom's family, my uncle, her brother, took us to the very place where my family once lived and where my brothers and sisters were born and where that war and devastation took place. And also the actual spot where my dad once marched through and met my mom. He recounted the story very vividly, showing us exactly where of how the entire family were forced outside of the house, and then they were forced to line up against the brick wall of the building that they lived in. They were lined up in execution style, facing Russian soldiers ready for fire. This was a lineup of a grandma, grandpa, my mom and her younger sister and brothers, and a baby. And for whatever reason, The Russians bolted quickly from the village, leaving my family standing there, sparing them. Now, I don't know how anyone could look down a barrel of a gun and point it at old people and children. I can't even imagine the absolute trauma and horror of being the ones standing there in anticipation of what was going to happen. The small village was later dubbed Piccolo Russia, Little Russia, for somehow miraculously escaping them. My mom was just one young female that had a part in a really big war. The years of suffering, the years of starving, the years of hard work in factories, where just a half a cup of sugar was cause for great celebration. And if you think that only soldiers suffer from post-traumatic disorder, my mom was never the same again. She feared the triggering bright lights of thunder and lightning because it resembled the flares and the sounds of bombing. My mom worried about all of us, our, our children in, in Canada. She worried every day of one of us dying. It was very extreme to her. I often reflect on these years of what not only soldiers endured, but every single person that was caught in the middle of it. The tens of millions of innocent people that died that didn't serve the war, but died because of it. The tens of millions that were victims of crimes of war. The tens of millions that were abused, that were starved. We must remember them all. It's time to tell the whole story. 
My father was finally released from the Americans as prisoner of war once the war ended. However, he had to find his own way home from from Africa. By this time, my brother was already two years old and would be meeting his father for the first time. And when the war was officially over, my mom would go to the train station where all the soldiers were coming home. And every day she would sit on the bench in front of the station that took her an hour to get to by bicycle. And every day my mom would watch thousands of soldiers be reunited with their families. She would sit there and wait and watch for every single soldier to step off the train. Every day and every day there was no sight of my father. My mom did this for weeks until eventually there were no more trains and no more soldiers. And so my mom mourned the loss of my father, believing that she would never see him again and that he would not ever be returning home. And then one day, while my mom was carrying buckets of water from the fresh spring nearby to their home, she saw this decrepit, dusty, rickety old bike just thrown on the ground in front of their home. And there he was, my dad. He had found his way home by bike. My mom couldn't believe her eyes. And the buckets of water fell to the ground, and as she did too, fainting in complete disbelief. My mom awoke in my dad's arms. It was a beautiful story, but hardly a fairy tale ending of living happily ever after. There was the post-devastation of the war, the harsh reality of picking up the pieces. Food was still scarce, money was scarce, and it would take years of rebuilding all that was destroyed and lost. My father went to his family by bike because this was their only mode of transportation, and he rode this bike all the way to Milan from Fantasina, which is about 100 kilometers away. His family were more affluent, and he asked them for help for his new little family, his wife and his baby boy. And they gave him a potato sack full of chickpeas. And he rode this bike a hundred kilometers back home, towing a big old bag of chickpeas. And it was his experience of being a prisoner of war with the Americans who ended up showing him great kindness. He was a waiter and server for the generals and sergeants of the American army. And he literally fell in love with them. And so it was his desire to move away from all this pain in Italy in hopes of a better life. He landed in New York, Ellis Island in 1957. But he had friends who had found work in Canada. And so he continued on his journey to where he found work and finally settled in Canada. And two years later, called for my mom and the rest of the family to join him. And I would be born shortly after the only Canadian child and baby of this incredible family. But the toll of the war would plague my mom and dad forever, no matter how far away they were from the places that hurt them so badly. I often think of the millions upon millions of people that live with this kind of physical, mental, and emotional repercussions of the ravages of war. We must remember everyone every single one of them, the men, the women, the children. 
I came across this poem written by a child by the name of Alex, who was nine years old during World War II, and wrote this little poem. Three little children, scared and lonely, sat on a pile of bricks, feeling hungry, belly rumbling, surrounded by dust and sticks. This was once their lovely home, full of laughter and more. It had been bombed to the ground, leaving them poor. Clothes are dirty, tatted and torn. When will this war end? Please help us where we will live. Peace is all we want to send. I can't even imagine children and what they persevered. And in a recent article that I read, it was about honoring 265,000 forgotten women who had served from the U.S. during the Vietnam War. And on November 11th in 1993, for the very first time in American history, a memorial was erected to honor women's patriotic service and erected at the Vietnam Veterans Memorial in Washington, D.C. The writer in the article states that it was one of the first tangible symbols of honor for American women. And I believe this is something that we need to shed light on and talk about more. That although we, th- we do remember the men who served, and again, have no desire to diminish that at all, but that we need to broaden that, that scope to everyone, and that included women. And it goes beyond just the women who officially served, because we have to recognize all heroic women, the, the civilian women in all the countries where war was raging on, to recognize their contribution, their bravery, their courage in doing all that they did to counter the effects of war. We do remember the fallen soldiers, the survivors of all who served, but let's broaden our horizon to reflect and pay tribute to every single person civilian, military, boy, girl, man, woman, all that faced irreparable harm. For the experiences they will never be able to unsee and unhear. For their courage to do what they needed to do that needed to get done, regardless of how hungry or cold or scared or dangerous it was. To every single person that had no choice but to courageously face each day in what must have felt like an eternity, something that would never end. I think of people born in the early 1900s, late 1800s, early 1900s, and having to live through World War I, where over 40 million people died, and only to be hit with the pandemic of 1918, literally as soon as the war ended, that killed another 50 million people. And while there was a short reprieve of the Roaring Twenties, it was quickly followed by the Great Depression. And in 1939, of course, was the beginning of World War II that went on for six long years and killed over 75 million people. These are not statistics. These are our families, our grandparents, our great-grandparents, our aunts, our uncles, We cannot forget how in the short span of 31 years, 165 million people died. But it goes so far beyond that. 
to all the people who managed to live through it, survive it, and tell the story. And I have come to realize how much we have to acknowledge that story of pain and suffering, or else we are incapable of seeing the pain and suffering in others today in our everyday life. I cannot see you if I cannot see me. And not in perpetuating ourselves as victims, but in realizing that the only way that we can experience true and utter joy and gratitude is in the ability to face and talk about the darkness that often seems unspeakable for the things our families before us lived through. But to people like my mom, whose biggest accomplishment in life was her bravery that went unnoticed and uncelebrated, yet so far bigger than anything most of us will ever find the courage to do and face. My heart aches for what my dad endured and for the anger that he carried with him right to his last days. But equally, my heart breaks for what my mom had to do. I'm not sure I ever let my mom know just how amazed and proud of her I am. I let those opportunities pass me by. And if she was alive today, I would want her to know she is my true heroine. I would want to say to my mom, I see you. I was born into a family with a legacy of pain, loss, rejection, and suffering. And I spent much of my life encountering modern day loss and pain. And I've spent a big part of my life working towards turning the corner on that story. But the truth is, there is a whole story that I wasn't just born into a legacy of pain and rejection but that I was also born into a family and a legacy with great faith and hope of enormous courage and the will to survive and live, of the desire for a better life. And I believe part of how I go about turning the corner is to make sure I remember everyone and to tell the whole story, not just what the history books have written. The depths of the human resiliency, that even in the face of mass destruction, the human spirit has unbounding strength as it holds on to the hope and belief that love will persevere. I have often pondered, how does one stay grounded when the ground is always moving? And I really believe love and faith is the only way. There are no memorials of all the civilians who have died in all the wars, who have died in all the pandemics. There are no victories in war. All that remains are the pieces of men, women, mothers, fathers, and children. By remembering them, I remain humbly grateful as a reminder of how lucky I really am. Let's remember them all. Let's tell 
the whole story. This is Tiz. Thank you.